Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Matchet and the Other Guy. And Kevin and I, as ever, are sitting outside my home on the banks of Lake Wiley in pretty good weather in North Carolina. Kevin, what do you think of the weather today? I think it's better than expected. I think they were predicting some precipitation this afternoon, but uh, it's come off pretty nice. Yeah. A little bit breezy. We had down here last night, um, we were just talking about this before we hit record, the most colossal storm over the lake, which woke me up about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, just like the world was coming to an end for an hour with thunder and lightning and very heavy rain. But all gone away now and it's a beautiful spring-like day no humidity which for me in uh, charlotte is a wonderful treat this is good porch sitting <laughs> right and the 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 wildlife on the lake is surprisingly quiet this morning when i came out here and had coffee first thing in the morning the geese were going crazy too but um everything is very calm in today's at the moment well we got two of them uh not 20 yards from us uh, grazing on your lawn right yeah, now. Two of the Canadian picnic, geese. I have a picnic down there, but not a single word coming from them. I think they're busy. Yeah. And, and for those listeners who are worried about uh, our two nesting geese that we had down on the point, which we mentioned a couple of episodes yep. ago, yep. and we said we'd keep you updated on progress. Well, sadly, there is no progress. Mama Goose made a nest, and there's a lot of feathers all pulled together as a nest, um, and she didn't really move from there for about three weeks but then all of a sudden I don't know what happened mum and dad just got up and left and that was the end of that but I went down just to inspect and there's the remains of the nest but no eggs or even broken eggs so I have no explanation for that I don't either no the circle of life somehow <laughs> did did what it needed to do there and moved on I guess that's right well uh, talking about the circle of life and this episode the circle of life on this podcast is that I never know the subject that we're going to be talking about you do, Kevin. So, start us off. What are we going to be talking about? Well, I had something uh, fairly recently that sparked the idea for this, oh, yeah. and we'll get into that as we go. But what the topic, I'm, I'm going to call it pleasant surprises. Um, something in your life where, not like a birthday surprise, not that, you know, I, it's my birthday. Oh, they surprised me with a great party. I'm going to kind of further that. Something that you either looked at going, oh, I really dread going to do something or I'm not looking forward to this. And it turns out to be one of the best experiences you ever had or something that you just were like, eh, you know, yeah. I just don't really want to bother. And then it turns out to be wonderful. Yes, so something would, along those, the complete opposite of what you expect. Yes, yeah, like you, you kind of wish you'd, you were not going to event A, B or C, but when you come away from it, you think, wow, that was fantastic. Exactly. Start us off. It sounds like you've had an experience and you want to share it with us, so do. Well, I'll, I'll, I've got a, a few examples. And yeah. I'll give the first one that kind of really makes me think about this. I go back to kindergarten. And back in back in Knoxville, Tennessee, in the little outbuilding we had out the at the school, West Hills Elementary, for any of my old classmates that may be listening. Um, and I was in, in that, sometime that year, and we got a new student come in, and his name was Darren. And for whatever reason, I, I just remember not caring, not liking him. And I don't know why that first day. I just don't know <laughs> you why. You just took against him. <laughs> and again, it's so many years have gone by, but I do remember that he ended up becoming like my first best friend. We yeah. really hit it off and just, you know, played at recess together and, you know, occasionally would stay at each other's house and stuff like that. And, and so, but that, again, I had no reason not to like him, but yeah. I just was in my head that I didn't. And he ends up being my best friend. 
So that's a good example these to start us off. These things are inexplicable how they happen or how these events happen. But you're absolutely right. I remember now. I mean, now you've you started us on this topic. Two things from my childhood that always have stayed with me, and events that exactly like you described. I was thinking, oh, I don't really, I don't want to go here. This was one one event was at the manor house where I grew up as a kid, and my dad and his friend. It was getting twilight. One summer evening, um, and my dad was uh, chatting away and have a cup of tea with his friend. And his friend said, we should walk down through the fields and see whether or not we can see the badgers at twilight. And I was thinking, I, you know, I don't really like the idea of wandering off into the woods at twilight. I mean, I, I wasn't in any way scared. I thought, well, you know, I, 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 whether it was a Star Trek night or something, I, I think I'd rather stay right here. And going messing around with <laughs> notoriously uh, grumpy little critters too. <laughs> so anyway, Dad said, come along, Stephen. If ever called me Stephen, I know I had to go and do it. There wasn't really a choice. Come along, Stephen. We're going to look at the badgers with Ron Tivy, my dad's friend. Okay, so we set off down through the fields, and we got closer and closer to where we believed, or my, or my dad believed, that the badger set was. And he said, lie down, lie down in the grass right here, lie down there, down there, just at the edge of the woodland where the fence is. Okay, so I'm lying down, get down there when we're looking through the twilight. And then, well, sure enough, out of this badger set in the ground, poke the, uh, Mama Badger pokes her nose and starts snuffling the air, and, and then comes out, and then two badgers come out, and then the little badgers come out. So I'm, I'm saying summer, but maybe it was more like springtime, you know. These, these little badgers were not very old. But I just remember it being something quite magical. You know, wow, seeing these woodland creatures. And you talk about badgers not being friendly, and most certainly that is the case in most countries. But for reasons I cannot explain, even the badgers in England are quite fun and friendly. Really? Yeah, they're not as no, no, nowhere as nasty a reputation the English badgers have as the badgers in the rest of the world. Um, you don't want to get anywhere near them, and if you got too close to them, they, they would become grumpy. But on the whole, they'll just turn around and run, run away if they encounter the, the smell of humans. Uh -huh. um, so we were, we, we were watching these badgers as the sun was going down, I don't know, for maybe about half an hour. And then we went back home, and uh, I just remember it being a delightful memory. And I remember it to this day. You just described, uh, hey, let's talk about things that you didn't think were going to be fun. But that still sticks with me, being oh, an yeah. amazing thing, yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to jump off topic a little bit here again, but, uh, you know, I really I don't think about badgers very often, but are they big, uh, very prominent in England then? Because weren't they written in, in, they're one of the characters in The Wind and the Willows? Yes, I mean, which yeah, is, yeah, I, mean, know, I never really think about you know, where they're located in the world. Yeah, right, children's badgers, uh, children's authors have always talked about badgers as being very friendly. And typically you tend to see, you know, illustrations of badgers, they're usually wearing waistcoats and pocket watches and yeah. very well smartly dressed. And they're, they're always portrayed as being intelligent and thoughtful. And I guess, you know, that's that's kind of the image I've always had of a badger. But they are, um, they have been, I'm not sure if they're protected now or they certainly went through a stage of being somewhat endangered because of hunting and um, dogs would be sent after badgers. But I don't think actually in reality they used to do an awful lot of damage, unlike a fox, which, I um, mean, the fox would, would cause havoc in and, and, uh, and livestock. I don't think badgers were anywhere near as destructive. 
But of course they did used to dig sets into the ground and uh, maybe that was the problem for farmers. But yeah, I'm pleased that I saw those badges and uh, I'm, I'm I, you know, great memory, great memory from being a kid, yeah. Good, good. The other one which sticks to mind, um, uh, sticks in my mind I should say, again from childhood and again concerned my dad's friend, Ron Tivy. I always remember Ron Tivy as being a great friend to my dad. And the other thing, I'm getting slightly off topic now, but the other thing I remember about Ron Tivy, he, he was in Monza um, during the Second World War. He was with the Allied troops moving through Monza as the Germans were retreating out of Italy. And he has these harrowing stories of being a soldier uh, with, the, with the Allied army, with the British army, moving from Sicily up through up through Italy through Monza uh, and up into the mountains at the north of Italy um, when I started racing and the first time I went to Monza was um, in, in 1990 with Benetton but I always I always I may even I have written about it actually uh, um, I always remember those stories of Ron Tivy describing the artillery barrage around Monza and he used to describe seeing the great flashes of light and hearing the boom 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 as the shells were hitting Monza clearing the German troops away from there. That's another story for Antibi but this one uh, was another fun countryside story where he wanted my dad to come and help him um, do some baling on some land that he had, turn grass into straw, and they had a baling machine, and they would bale it, and Ron had a little sort of small holding with horses, and he would use the, the hay for feeding the horses. And uh, again, I, I just thought, oh, I don't really, you know, this is a long drive, and I did. But my dad said, come along, Stephen, we're, we're going to help Ron do his baling. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, here we go. And uh, it was, a just the most fun experience of being on this trailer being pulled by a tractor and the old bailing machine behind and um, Ron's son was driving the tractor so it was my dad Ron and me were standing on the back of the trailer and, and Ron Tibby's son was driving the tractor around this field as we were doing the bailing. I think actually at this point the bailing had been completed and what we were doing with the trailer was picking the hay bales up and putting them on on the trailer to take them back to the farm. And um, I remember that uh, uh, Ron Tivy's son would, would pull away in the tractor with a great jolt and we'd all sort of have to hang on to something quickly as the, yeah. as the, as the trailer starts to move. And I remember Ron Tivy shouting down to his son, don't just pull away with a tractor because <laughs> we, we may fall over. Say something before we leave, before you set off. And this thing has always stuck in my mind because Ron, Ron Tibby's son would shout back, Old ya! And every time he said, Old ya! The tracks would move forward and off we'd go. And that stuck with me forever. Yeah, I just remember that. Coming back from a great fun day out. Now, how old were you? Oh, I'd be, if I was 10, that's all it all was, right. you know. But yeah, that stuck with you me. Just, you just felt like you got a full day's of manly work. Yeah, it was yep. exactly that. I, it, it was exactly that. It was like, oh, here I am with the adults, you know, yeah. playing, playing adult games. But it was a lot of fun. I didn't think it was going to be, but it was a lot of fun. Very good, very good. Yeah. Another example I have is actually I didn't really think about it this, but it kind of it kind of bookends uh, my first one. My first one was in kindergarten. The next one is my senior year in high school. Okay. So we're we're getting ready for the semester, and, and well, you look at who you've got assigned for for what classes, and I look at my sheet, and I got and again people that went to high school with me are going to go. Oh, okay. Uh, but I got Mrs. Clendenin 
for British literature. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how am I gonna make it through this you know, year? I think it was a year. I only think it was just a semester, but yes. Uh, was this was this the teacher that was giving you the fear or the the, the possibility of having to read British literature? Probably both. <laughs> okay. But we started off with Beowulf. Oh, okay. As oh. you would, you know, yeah. it really is the beginning of all literature. Sure. So we started, but I tell you, we worked our butts off in that class, but we felt so rewarded doing it. It was hard work but we loved doing it and she was a great teacher and the way she handled it was really rewarding. Yes. We just went through, we did, like say, we did Beowulf. At one point uh, we did, um, we obviously did, touched on Shakespeare because she let us, we ended up watching the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet right. movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we watched that. Um, I remember we did some kind of report and, and too, I, I remember this vividly you know, you're always kind of scared about speaking in front of people, but we had to do a couple of like reports to the class in, during that that, that uh, class, yeah. you know, whether it be a year or whatever. And I just remember being as comfortable as could be, getting up there and being very animated and whatever, speaking about whatever topic I, I had been assigned. Yes. And it was just very comfortable, you know. And were you comfortable because you were on top of the subject or was it that she instilled confidence in you? I think both. Way? And maybe it's just, you yeah. know, the people that were in the class, we kind of just from that early, earliest weeks of the doing it, that we kind of just felt as a team that we're working together, you know, to help everyone yeah. get the most out of this class. And uh, she kept kind of promising this. And this kind of goes back. You have to remember the eighties to remember it, but do you remember the show Moonlighting with Bruce Willis? Yeah. And, yeah, I and, do. Uh, yeah. And uh, Sybil Shepard. Well, yeah. they, they had done a, uh, a whole episode based on The Taming of the Shrew. Okay. And so she kind of, as a reward, promised us that we'll watch the, the and that was just fluff, you know, just uh, an hour, a whole, whole class period of just watching a funny episode of a show, and that was kind of a reward for something we had accomplished during the, during the year. Yes. So, so uh, that was, that's, I look back as being one of the greatest classes of all high school. That's tremendous. Again, we, we're already beginning to shift off topic in a way, but when, when you have a mentor or a teacher that, that somehow forms this bond with students and can convey information and or passion or insight or whatever it is, like be excited by this because of this reason. Wow, that makes such a difference to the oh, learning yes. experience, doesn't it? It's a rare thing. You know, it really is a rare to thing. have a connection like that. Yes, it really it really is a rare thing. I am I uh, I am very far from an expert on 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 Shakespeare, but I every time I, I I tend to watch Shakespeare more than I read it. I've got a number of Shakespeare's plays around, but I I just remember that first exposure to Hamlet, um, and just the way talking about a master of writing, but. Just the, the way that Shakespeare uses language, not 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 merely Shakespeare in English, but the 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 connotations and the thoughts and the insight that is in his scripts, just phenomenal. And I remember that thing with with Hamlet. You know, that, the classic is to be and not to be, and I didn't really understand what it was at the time. Then it was describing whether or not does he want to continue living or should he commit suicide and what is happening around him and all that stress it's just wow this is just fantastic fantastic stuff yeah yeah i don't remember actually when i was at school and again we've we've talked about comprehensive education in england not being of a stellar education that it perhaps should have been could have been 
I don't think we ever did study Shakespeare to any great degree. We may have touched on it slightly, but not really. But this idea that you, you describe of standing up in front of a class with confidence, I must say, again, from my childhood in England looking over the Atlantic towards the United States, that is one thing that always stuck in my mind was when I would see shows about you guys being at school and it was show and tell or whatever it would be, you know, and you're standing up in front of a class and describing whatever it, whatever it is, I remember thinking at the time, wow, you guys over the stage, you've got such incredible confidence to stand up and do this. Of course, and over in England, we never had anything like that in Oxford. We're all utterly timid and terrified to get up in front of a class because you know that you're friends, for want of a better word, your friends would ridicule you for the rest of the day if you ever stood up and started to talk about something in front of the class. Yeah. 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 Oh, I for, I'd forgot, well, I mean, obviously I remember now doing it, but I'd kind of forgotten about doing show and tell, but we did it in grade school, and literally, yeah, you'd get up and come up in front of the class, and I always look back, it's funny how I look back at those now and go, all the great things my dad had that I could have brought in and really shown something interesting instead the teacher i remember being more she said if you bring star wars cards again for show and tell because <laughs> i must have tried like three times and uh that didn't go over well i and my dad had all this great historical stuff you know that i could have brought in yeah. or whatever or showed you know whatever but you know so educate live and me, learn educate me here then kevin so how did how did that work was it once a week or once a month or was it completely random and and were you given a some topic of talk about I don't know we talked about farms earlier on farming implements this week or would it be anything at all or being over 40 years separated it's kind of hard to remember okay, but let's right. say once a week sounds maybe right yeah okay uh, I usually I don't, I don't recall it being a theme uh, you just kind of bring in something to you know yes that everybody might be interested in or something I hadn't seen before I do remember there was one project where each, each person in the classroom, and this was probably kindergarten, so Darren and I were probably in there together, and we were each to bring something that began with the letter of the alphabet. And I can't remember what I brought, but the, the person that got M brought a, a motorcycle, an Evil Knievel motorcycle. Oh, cool. And I thought how cool that was. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, that's, I like that. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so, I'm, I'm with you. So if there was 26 students in the class, for example, it would be A, B, C, D. You've hit the and that was just the one time in, right. in kindergarten, okay. I remember. Most yeah. of the time it was just, we're having show and tell, bring something interesting. And, you know, again, somebody might bring uh, a medal that their dad had yeah. gotten in the service, or they might bring uh, a little cast bell from their grandfather's farm or something. You know, that's the kind of stuff you're supposed to bring and you're not supposed to bring, you know, Star Wars stuff. I, I <laughs> so. think that that is a tremendous subject to do, a tremendous boost to confidence to have to stand up and talk in front of a class. Because as we know, confidence is such a crucial part of life. Uh, to feel, not to be overconfident, but to feel the confidence of being able to get up and discuss something, debate something, ask relevant questions, and not just sit quiet at the back of the class and miss all the opportunities around you. I think confidence is a great thing. And I do remember, yeah, I was thinking, even as a kid, 10, 11, 12, boy, I wish we did more of that sort of stuff to boost confidence. Yeah. The one, so you mentioned Star Wars earlier on, which made me giggle because I was thinking the one time I do remember standing up, having to stand up and talk about something was Planet of the Apes. And I was, it was my choice of topic. Uh, and I was very, um, I was all over the Planet of the Apes movies at the times in the, in the, in the uh, early to mid 70s. And I was, I had to describe why Planet of the Apes was my 
fun topic? What was the appeal of it? And I, of course, being a kid, I was, I was kind of struggling to understand the concept of, okay, what I want to get over to the class is this wonderful shift in time that happened during the Planet of the Apes movies, whereby when the first astronauts arrived into the future, into the Planet of the Apes, and couldn't understand what had happened to Earth, and the mystery of why the planet was dominated by the apes and and humans were now being treated as slaves and at the end of the first film we saw Statue of Liberty in the sand which then of course was the great giveaway oh my goodness this is earth we're on earth what has happened and then it was the second film after that and the third film where escape from the planet of the apes where two apes went back in time to the 1970s before the Planet of the Apes and produced offspring. And it was their intelligent offspring which led to the revolution of the apes which became the Planet of the Apes. Okay, so it was this wonderful circle of time and I was thinking, wow, I, I kind of just got my mind around this and how do I explain it to the class? And I was, I was confused at how to do it. And before I stood up, I was, I was saying to one of my friends, who's also called Stephen with a PH. Stephen, can you, can you ask me this question about how the circle of time worked in the Planet of the Apes? And of course, I don't think Stephen was quite as uh, enamored with the whole subject as I was, and he couldn't really give me the keys that I was looking for. Of course, now, you know, you, you'd phrase it in a different way and just tell the story, but yes, I do remember that. I do remember talking about Planet of the Apes getting up in front of the class. But I, again, I think any opportunity to gain confidence in front of a crowd is, is a good thing. Yeah, we're working on that with our, our daughter who's, you know, just recently turned eight. And right. We're, we're trying to instill that. And she'll do, you know, like performances at the house, you know, show us, you know, yeah. a routine or she'll sing for us or something like that. We're trying to, to boost that. But she does gymnastics and she does that in front of people and she does really well. So. It's, a great, it's a great thing. I think it, it, it's a vital component of, 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 of uh, young life. And I wish it was, perhaps things have changed out of all recognition now in, in England, but uh, it was certainly something that was lacking back then in comparison to what you guys are doing in the States, yeah. 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 Can you remember any other experiences uh, back on topic that you thought, oh, I don't want to do this, but it turned out well, to be Well, this, 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 this is a prime one. I've, I've stuck with this one for a long time. And it's, what, it was, it was mid-90s, so it was about probably 95, and I was working, and the office I was working in worked in an advertising um, department of a, a corporation. And I remember, I think I was just walking by, and somebody had won tickets to a concert that night and they couldn't go. And okay. they kind of popped up out of their cube and said, hey, I've got these tickets tonight. Does anybody want them? And I'm passing by. Well, I love concerts anyway. So I had to say, sure. <laughs> Before, I, what, what are they? Because I'm you know, jumping right on it. Well, it was Christopher Cross was opening, and then the, band, the, band, uh, the main band was America. Are you familiar with America? Yeah. I know of them. Yeah, I know That's what. how I was at that point. Okay, yeah. And I knew Christopher Cross because he sang Sailing and the Arthur theme from the you know, movie Arthur, the Dudley Moore movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I knew I liked Christopher Cross, and I was like, well, I don't really know that much about America. They do Horse With No Name, okay. you know. So yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Well, so I had these two tickets. So, you know, this is before cell phones or any of that kind of thing. So I just got on the corporate phone and called my uh, roommate and said, hey, I just, you know, got these two tickets tonight. You, you want to go? And he's like, yeah, I'll go. So we both kind of figured, well, we'll go. We, we know Christopher Cross and stuff. We'll listen to Christopher Cross and maybe one or two America songs, and then we'll probably just leave. Well, it was a little outdoor amphitheater. It used to be where the World's Fair site was because okay. the World's Fair was in Knoxville in 82. All right. So they've always kept this little, little outdoor amphitheater 
um, there. It has nice little seating and stuff, and just for it's kind of a small venue. Well, you know, we, we got in there and you know had decent seats and stuff from those tickets. And Christopher Cross put on a nice show, and we, we enjoyed him. And then America came on, and all of a sudden we were just like, after a, two or three songs, we're like, oh, I didn't know they did this song, and I didn't know they did this song. And I tell you, I by the time they got to the end, and it was like time for the encore when they did the Sister Golden Hair, which is another one of their big hits. Okay. We were all dancing in the aisles. It was so good. Fantastic. And I will never forget that because again, I expected, you know, oh, Christopher Cross will be good. I really don't know that much about America, and we'll probably end up leaving. And it ended up, I, it was, it wasn't a week went by before I went and bought the greatest hits on. CD that, great, that weekend and drove around, you know, yeah. with them playing, yeah. and I still love them. And uh, it took a long, it took until oh maybe four or five years ago to finally get to see them again. Just it just never happened that they right, were in right. the same ever toured in the same spot. Um, fortunately, when I did see them a few years ago, it was a little small uh, show down in Rock Hill, South Carolina, where we live here. And afterwards, I kind of caught them walking out backstage to their uh, bus that was going to take them to their hotel and it's mainly two guys and I got to tell them that story and they thought it was very interesting and it's yeah. taken me this long to see you guys again but this is the reason why yeah, yeah yeah so that's always been my and I've been to tons and tons of concerts as you know and they've been many of them great for many reasons but that one is great because it was just a complete total surprise of how good it actually was that's fantastic so, yeah I remember, I, I'm going to tell you now, I don't think I've ever shared this story with anybody. As this is, as this is cropped up as our, as our topic, thinking about events which, I don't know, didn't want to happen or turned out not, not, not in a good way, but actually the end result was completely different. I was on summer vacation, summer holiday with my girlfriend at the time back in the 1980s mid 1980s and we were on a little greek island called antiparos which is a tiny little island very very close to or adjacent the island of paros p-a-r-o-s <clears throat> and one day my girlfriend said to me let's hire some scooters and, and explore the island on scooters which is a very common thing to do probably still is and I said to her, I don't want to do that personally, because my brother was killed on a, on a motorcycle, he had a motorcycle accident, and uh, that put me off two-wheel transport altogether. And I said, I don't, I don't want to do that, but I don't want to stop you doing whatever you w wish to do, of course. And she said, I'd, I'd like to do this. And I said, okay, look, we'll go our separate ways today. You go and explore the island uh, on a scooter, and I'll just explore the island on foot, and we'll, we'll meet back at the hotel, and then we'll have dinner. So we went our separate ways. And I'm strolling off around this island. And, and back in the 1980s, I don't suppose it's any different now, these islands are very, very basic. And there was um, very little in the way of luxury or marked trail paths. That's where I'm going with this. And I was walking around the island, climbing over some of the rocks down near the sea, and then climbing up the, um, the cliffs, if you like, around the, around the island. And I started to climb further and further up. And the, and the cliff face started to get steeper and steeper. And the more I started to climb up this cliff face away from the rocks and the sea below, the more unstable the, the land was. It became very shale and um, 
I was, I was really struggling for handholds and footholds. And I, I said to myself, like, I can't, I can't go back, right? I've got into a position now where I've got to go forward. Yeah. And I started to lose confidence, talking about confidence. And I think, I'm thinking, boy, you've been really stupid here because there's nobody around to help you. There's literally no one here. There's, there's a very clear and present danger you're going to fall onto these rocks and the sea below. And the only way is to go up. And the more I started to climb, the more and more shale I started to encounter. And I started to slip. And then my foot would grab, grab a little tuft of grass and stop me falling. And I just remember sort of clinging with, with both arms, hands and feet onto this fairly, I wouldn't say it was just, it was steep, but it wasn't absolutely vertical, obviously. It was a steep cliff face. And looking up over the cliff face, and I saw one of those very typical, they're all over Greek islands, those little Greek chapels, white dome top with a cross on the top. This is not a religious story, but I just remember seeing that church there, that little chapel there. And I remember being on the side of the cliff and thinking, boy, you've been so stupid. Why have you done this? Why have you done this? There's a, I'm a young guy, you know, like you've got years ahead of you. You've just thrown your life away. I didn't really know what to do. And I just remember thinking, just find the, just find the confidence and the faith in whatever there is to get up this cliff face and it'll be okay. And very slowly, I just remember moving further and further up this cliff uh, and moving closer to the chapel and got to the top of the cliff and I was okay. And I just remember sitting with my back against this chapel and looking out over the ocean thinking, I have no explanation for that but I thought it was over. I mean, I genuinely thought it was over. But for whatever reason, I got to the top. And, and, and I've, we've talked about you know, religion many times, and the fact that I don't, and I, I occasionally do go on spiritual retreats, and I'm interested in all religions, but I don't consider myself particularly religious, but I do remember, that wasn't a religious experience, but I remember getting to the top thinking, there's no way I should have got out of that. I don't think I've ever shared that story with anybody. Well, before. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's 30 minutes. That went pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. We better call it a day. I think that's a good way to end it. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. But I don't think we're able to top it. <laughs> yes, it was a curious day. Great fun talking about it. Well, again, we have no idea. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. But uh, these odd memories that come back out of childhood when we start talking is quite amazing. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and this one, I told you something kind of spurred the, the memory is, is uh, in my uh, vehicle, I've got kind of a, what is like a jukebox where I could download a bunch of music, and yeah. and my daughter was poking around. She's she's learned how to use it and because okay. we're in the line for school. She's allowed to get in the front, yeah. you know, because she can be unbelted and stuff. Well, she gets to poking around, and she pulled up America, and started playing an America song this past week, uh, and that's yeah. what made me think of the whole story. So yeah, yeah that worked out very well. All right, gentle listener, I hope you enjoyed that. If you're ever on holiday on the uh, small Greek islands, do take great care when you're walking around the cliffs or enjoy a concert if you get to go to a concert. Take care and we'll be back with another episode of Mash and the Other Guy. Bye for now. We'll see you then. Yeah. Bye.